Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here is one of our leaders, Tyler Rice. We're in the series, a revival series. And this week, this morning, he spoke about the inward aspects of revival and how it really starts in our own heart. And I'm, I'm just sticking with it. I'm piggybacking with what Pastor Matt did this morning, and I'm just going to stay with it. There's a couple different ways. And, you know, we, God speaks to us all in different ways, and so there's just different aspects that I feel like I'm going to try to tie it and just piggyback into what, add to or just share with what Pastor Matt brought this morning. And I'm just going to start with a quote that's from a man named Daniel Kalenda. Uh, Daniel's a young man. Evangelist is, I guess, maybe more of his calling, but he's worked with uh, Reinhard Bonnke, and he just does a lot of outreach ministry, stuff like that. Really impactful man of God. And he says, you see, the book of Acts and the New Testament as a whole were not given to us as a fascinating historical account of the first century church, just for our personal reading pleasure. He says, they are a minimal benchmark of what Christianity really looks like. So when he says that, I'm just like, whoa. I mean, you think about the book of Acts and, like, how many miracles and just people being raised from the dead, all sorts of stuff going on. I mean, Paul wiping his brow with a rag, and then they take that rag, and then people just touch it and get healed. It's like, whoa. And he's saying this is minimal benchmark of what Christianity really looks like. And so I just think, you know, it's, it can be an easy tendency to just be stagnant in life and say, you know, this, I'm good with what I have. And so I just think, you know, I don't want to try to put a label on what God wants to do in terms of revival in our hearts, but just to say that there's more out there for us to experience with him, you know, intimacy with him and fellowship with him, you know, and the things that the Holy Spirit wants to do here among us. So that's just questions that we can kind of ponder, you know, as we go through the word this evening. So if you just bow your head, Take a minute to pray, pray and acknowledge God. Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful for the ministry of your word and the truth and the revelation that it brings into our lives. Father, we just pray that you'd help our ears to hear and receive what you have for us this evening. Father, that you'd soften our hearts and really help that seed to get deep into the soil of our souls and our beings. Father, so that it would take deep root within us and grow up and produce good fruit, you know, that would be peaceable and loving and joyful. And just do bringing heaven here on earth, just as you prayed, Lord. So, Father, we just surrender our hearts to you and just say, you know, speak to us tonight. You know, help us to hear what you have to say. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. So I have three main questions that I kind of want to address. And, you know, a lot of times it's not necessarily the question that we ask, but it's how we ask it. You know, the intention behind our question can really dictate the outcome or the response that we get from it. And the three questions that I use are why, how, and what. They're basic questions. You know, we ask ourselves these three questions probably every day about different tasks that we're doing and the different things that we're doing in life. But so why is the first question? You know, why, why do we need revival? You know, do we recognize that need in our life? And I think it's, it's just a basic level. I'm not trying to be all spiritual here. But, I mean, can we see the need for more of Jesus in our day-to-day life and how we treat people? I know that I can. 
I mean, when we have those moments where it's like the smallest little things in life and we're just like, you know, and we get that attitude in us. And it's like that attitude isn't in the heart of God. I mean, when he was be- when Jesus was beaten and carrying that cross up to Calvary, I, <laughs> I can't imagine it, but there is no way that he was just like, <clears throat> you know, there was there's just love in what he does, and there's passion, and there's purpose. And it's like he puts those things into what he did. He just let them be and emanate from him. And so, I mean, we can just ask ourselves, you know, what are those things that, you know, God's working on in my heart? And why? Why do I need to spend time with him daily? Why do I need this revival? And this is just a simple question that we can continue to ask ourselves, you know, to look for answers from him and allow him to work in our heart and in our life. And I'd like to just read through verses 1 through 3 of the fourth chapter of Hosea. It says, Hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to bring against you who lived in the land. There is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. There is only cursing, lying, and murder, stealing, and adultery. They break all bounds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Because of this, the land dries up, and all who live in it waste away. The beasts of the field, the birds of the sky, and the fish of the sea are swept away. There's so much in here in terms of our response to the word and the integrity that we live it out does dictate a lot of what goes down here on earth. I mean, we're in, we are created in God's image to steward his word. It takes action, you know, to, to bring it forth. And so I think when we look at this, you might be like, yeah, there is, it's not like we don't have no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God, Tyler. Why are you, you know, using this first? Well, and I'm not saying that you're cursing, lying, and murdering, and adulterous people. But, you know, Jesus went to the extent of the heart. And so it's not necessarily always what comes out of our mouth, that, which is the benchmark. It's really the actual root that's, that's in your heart. And he's looking that deep into us. And so, I mean, he says, when you hate your brother, you've always committed murder in your heart. When you've already lusted after somebody, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And so, I mean, he looks all the way to the extent of the heart, and that's the same. That's where this why, that's how deep we need to look inside. That's where this why is pointing to is our heart. That's always the benchmark that God looks at. Why? Because the heart dictates, you know, the fruit of our life in the extent that we can really experience and communicate with the Lord and interact with other people and love with them and love them. And so there is a fullness that God wants to restore to our lives. You know, that, that abundant life that Jesus spoke of, that life or faith as God knows it, I mean, that fullness, that's the benchmark that he's shooting for. That same faith. And so... I'm just trying to create a platform where we can just at least acknowledge in the depths of our hearts there's things where God can work on. And I think when we acknowledge that that's the, the place where we're at, you know, then now that the light's kind of shined in those areas, we can say, okay, I can see what you've, you've got to work with. Because it can be easy, like I said, 
So just be like, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm pretty content with where I'm at. And so then after we pose that question and we kind of see, you know, there's some areas that God's working on, you're like, well, how? how? How does change brought about in my life? You know, how? And the scripture is pretty plain. It's all about the grace of God that was paid for by Jesus on the cross. All of it's about the grace of God. And so when we can come to that place where it's really just praying out of, of space of faith, God, thank you for the grace that all of your fullness has been placed within me because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. Thank you that you're changing and renewing my mind so that I can see people and love them as you do. And it, it, it shifts off of a self-work to where we're really working hard to get better, and it really allows his grace to work in us. And then guess what? He gets all the glory. And that's what, he's so much stronger and more capable of renewing and cleansing us than we are. And it's just like, that's what it's about. It's really about leaning on him, not our own understanding. And so I picked um, the 84th Psalm, verse 11. I didn't give you a slide for this one, Burr. Um, the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. That word uprightly is, is translated in other, from the Greek, is also, or uh, from the Hebrew, is translated in other areas of the Bible as integrity. So he's really just saying to walk with integrity, to walk truthfully, to walk, you know, do what you say and say as you do, that type of life. And so, I mean, it says no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. You know, God is so willing to work with us and meet us where we're at to help us grow in him, to help us grow in faith and get us to where, you know, he's trying to go. He has you know, before the foundations of the world, he saw us in our mother's room, and he knew, and he had a purpose, he had a plan for what we're doing, and so he's trying to work, co-labor with us to fulfill that. But he's not withholding any good thing when we walk with integrity and we walk according to the word. And we really let the word wash us and cleanse us and change us from the heart, from the level of the heart. And so the how is always from him. And so this is a promise that we can cling to as we seek out the heart of God for our lives, you know, that the Lord gives grace. He's so willing to give the abundance of grace that we need so that he can change us and sculpt us into his image and likeness. And so um, it's by the grace of God that his nature is manifested in us, and we actually yield, you know, to him. It's by his grace all of that is worked out. And I picked another one in Job 22, verse 21. I picked this last minute. I just felt like, I, it's good. It says, yield now and be at peace with him. Thereby, good will come to you. That yield also translates in other areas of Scripture as to know intimately. And it's so interesting how yield and to know intimately was on the same level there with that word, and that's how they described it. So it's like if we replaced yield with to know intimately, to know intimately, be at peace with him. I mean, it's the same thing. It's a yielding, but it's coming to a place where we know who he is. He builds trust for himself in us. To where we're like, you are so faithful, Father, so trustworthy. It's like, I'm yielded. I, I give you my heart. I'm letting you work in here. And, you're, and it's, 
it's not uncommon, I think, for us to come to that place where we say, I can't do it by myself. And that's where he can come in. And his grace is supposed to be able to come in in those situations and defend us and work on our behalf. As we grow in relationship with the Lord, I mean, we're going to grow in knowledge. We're going to grow in understanding. As we, as we seek, we'll find. As we knock, the door will be open. That's just the way that it works. And I think the reason only why I bring this up is because I've felt this try to rise up in myself at times. And it's so hard to kind of, you know how God can just like, show you stuff, where it's like, you see all these things, and then you try to, this happens with me and K-Hart all the time. And we're trying to, like, just explain what he showed us in, like, an instant. And then you try to speak it to him, and you're like, man, that did not sound as good as what he showed it to me as. <laughs> and, he's, and I'm just like, bro, I see your heart in it. I know it was good. I, I believe you. I'm in faith with you on that. But anyway, so this is something that I've felt, I've wrestled with it in my heart. And so that's why I'm sharing it. And it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. And it says, Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but the love, but love builds up. I just want to bring us back to when we were reading Hosea 4. If you continue reading in that chapter, after that, that's where uh, God's talking to the people of Israel. And he says, My people perish for lack of knowledge. So it's like you see this contrast here where God says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. But then he's saying, but this knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. And so I think we see all these areas in Scripture where I feel like, you know, probably non-Christian theologians would argue like the word contradicts itself, yada, yada, yada. Well, Jesus is pretty plain to explain that it's a narrow road that he's having us walk. And so, I mean, as a good father, he lets us know, like, don't go too far to the left, don't go too far to the right. You know what I mean? He kind of sets up those parameters for us where it's like we're supposed to gain knowledge but not let it to the point where it puffs us up to where all of a sudden we're not at a place where we can, like, be on somebody else's level and genuinely, like, reach out with compassion and, like, care about them. You know what I mean? It's like because we're all saved by that same grace. We all needed Jesus to go to that cross for us, every single one of us. And so, I mean, we just need to stay on that same playing field to love people and genuinely care about them where they're at. And so, but at the end of the verse here, he says, but love builds up. What is it building up? You know what I mean? It's not only building up ourselves. Like, there is such a strength and a grace that comes when we just say, okay, so loving people is a choice. And um, <laughs> I got this at the end of service this morning. He says, he told me, the Lord said, you know, when you receive my love, that allows you to love other people. It's not the other way. We don't receive other people's love so that we can love the Lord. Like, my situation's going good enough, so now I can praise you, God. No, it's God, you're worthy of praise. Now my situation is going good. Why? Because it's the attitude of my heart that, I'm, that, the God, that God is shifting into my situation. That completely changes my perspective, completely changes the way that I interact with that circumstance. You know, and man, I just think so much of this Christian life is probably a time where 
you know, we're on our knees at our bedside or we're sitting on our bed or we're just kind of chilling in our favorite place in our house, you know, cuddling with our pet or whatever. And you don't really feel, you know, not a lot of that going on. Not feeling all warm and fuzzy in your toes. You know, you're kind of probably just sitting there and you're just like, Lord, I believe that you're good. You know, I believe all the things that the scripture says about you. Father, you're so worthy. Thank you for the love that you've put in me for other people. Thank you for the job that you've given me so that I can go out, be salt, be light, be your hands, be your feet, be part of your church. Thank you for dying for me. And I just think it's not all about this feely thing. It's nice to get, and Pastor Matt highlighted this this morning. It's so true because my gift is encouragement. I, I for some reason, just have a way God encourages people through me. And so I can ride that current just like nobody's business. I can get so jacked up where it's like, whoa. And it's just like, whoa, you know. Like I'm at work and we're all just doing our stuff and I'm just over here crying like, oh, you know, just like fired up. But all of life isn't like, I'm not just going through the grocery store like, cheerio, oh, you know, it's not all like that. But the thing is, God is still good. And, you know, if we really are intentful to just look the way that the Holy Spirit is moving in those situations, I'm telling you. I have stood in the frozen food section, or it's actually over by the cheese and the milk and the eggs and that kind of stuff. <laughs> Not in the frozen food. I, I must be in the grocery store a lot. I'm always talking about the grocery store. But I'm standing there, and I'm just like, you know, having one of those moments where I'm just like, okay, I'm putting some eggs in my cart, and I'm just like, Lord, what am I doing here? You know, okay, I'm maybe going to make an omelet later, but seriously, what am I doing here? Why am I supposed to be here? And he just like showed me. I can't, I cannot explain it. It's like one of those moments. But I just started crying because he loves people so much. Like, it, he just opened my eyes to, like, how much he really loves us. And it's just like, whoa. And he's like, you're just supposed to love people. Don't complicate this thing, Tyler. You're just supposed to love people. And so going back to loving people as a choice, there's such, like, a, a passion in that. You know, and we just make that commitment in our heart not feeling anything. You're not just like, ooh, there's none of that. It just comes out of faith. That, but let me tell you, that the feelings follow the faith. You know, like when we can really experience what God's doing by his spirit. And, but it starts with faith. And so I know what the word says and how many thoughts he has towards us, how much he loves us, what he did to pay for our redemption. And so it was out of that faith that I believe God was able to work that into me. But, so I'm not saying that you can't have those moments all the time. If you're looking for the Lord, his word is not lying. If, you're, if you seek, you will find. I don't care if you buy the eggs or not. He's there. Trust me. He is there. Trust him. His word says it. Um, so if we look in Hosea 6, chapter 6. Verses 1 through 3, it says, come. This is his plea to the people of Israel. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us 
on the third day he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. You know, it says, on the third day he will restore us, that what? That we may live in his presence. And so, whenever I think about, for some reason, whenever I think about the importance of the presence of God, I'm always drifted to that part in Scripture where Moses was talking to the Lord, and the Lord's like, you can go to the promised land, but I'm not coming with you. You know, and Moses was just like, nope. Mm -mm. I would rather be out here in the wilderness with you, Lord, than go to the promised land. And the Lord was kind of a, I was wondering about that, like, how do you explain that in, like, my rational brain, that concept? And he showed me that Jesus is the promise. So without Jesus, it's just land. It's the same thing. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what is on the land. It's just land. He makes the promise. He fulfills the promise of that land. He protects. He supplies. It's all about him anyway. And I was just like, oh. I had a little short-sighted there. But, so I mean, it, it's about his presence. He just wants to communicate with us, to be with us, you know, to love on us. But it doesn't just stop there. It just, there's something about the nurturing love of God that just compels you to give it to somebody else. Because when you stand, you know, when you're in his presence and you, and you really just come to the end of yourself where you're just like, man, it's all about what Jesus did. I didn't pay for any of this. You know, this was all God's will and love towards me. It's, it just makes it so easy to just extend that same gratitude and love towards somebody else. Total stranger. All those people in the grocery store, I had no idea who they were. No idea. But I'm telling you, I was like a 95-year-old grandma just so smiley walking through the grocery store like, hi, hey, you know? Back in the cereal aisle like, how are you? You know, and I'm just loving them. I'm just like, what? But it, it just compels us to go forward. Can I get the worship team to come on up? And now, lastly, the what. You know, it's all about, okay, there's that parable that Jesus told about the man who was invited to a wedding feast. When all the guests are getting to the wedding feast, everyone is given a garment to put on. This is the king's deal. So, I mean, wants everything to be right. And it's all about honoring the bride and the groom, you know. And so everyone's given the opportunity to put on this garment. But the man comes in and decides, I'm not going to put on the garment. And then the king later ends up walking through to see how his guests are doing, finds the man without the garment, kicks him out. And, you know, really the heart attitude of that man must have just been, you know, I'm, I'm here and I'm totally willing to, you know, eat the fine foods and sit in a comfy chair and just chill in the presence of the king. But, you know, I'm not here in my heart to, like, be about what this is about, what this wedding's about. And so I think, like, what are we supposed to be doing? We're putting on the garment. There's so much theological debate on what the garment symbolizes. Jesus wanted us to know, probably would have just straight up told us. So it's probably more of just an all-encompassing thing of just putting on that right attitude of, 
Lord, you're God. You got say, first say in my life. And I'm just going to do it your way because I trust that your way is so much better than my way. And the second thing is feed his sheep. I'm going to read a couple verses in the 21st chapter of John, 15 through 21. And I just wanted you to listen to kind of the redundancy of what goes on in these verses. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grew old, you stretch, you will stretch out forth your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now he said this signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he spoke, when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also leaned on Jesus' bosom at the supper. And Peter said, Lord, no. And the man said, who is, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is it to you? You follow me. And so the first part is, look at the order of the question. Jesus always asked, do you love me? And when Peter said, yes, Jesus replied, tend my sheep. When we love God, we will always tend his sheep. That's just the fruit of faith. Genuine living faith will always produce that. And it's repetitive. He want, it's so important to the Lord for us to know that he's number us to know that he's number one in our lives. And we always ask that, why am I in need for revival? Right relationship with him. To love people. And then he says the part where he's talking about when you were younger, you'll go where you want. And then when you're older, you know, people will have to take you places. You know, it's so true. There's only a certain period of our life, a certain season when we have that full capacity to do all of these things. And so we don't miss our window to be able to tend the sheep and tend the lambs. You know, now is your time to get into your prayer closet and figure out what God is asking you to do. Don't miss that window because it will pass. You know, we all have only a short section of life here on this earth to serve and walk with and then this last part, I don't know why I saw this, but he just said, if I want, so Peter sees John coming along. And he's like, well, what about this dude? And Peter's like, don't worry about if this guy's coming. I said, you to follow me. You know, we're all going to have those people in our lives where it's like, we might not even really want them there. Bad attitude to start with. Have you ever had that? We're just like, man, 
maybe life would be so much easier if this person just had a better attitude, if they weren't here. But Peter's like, what is, or Jesus is like, what is that to you? You follow me. Because when we follow him, guess what? We have the capacity to love that person that's just rubbing us such the wrong way. And so I just think, don't worry so much about some of those trials and the people that God has allowed you to love on. Just follow him. Love him, tend to sheep. Follow him. And so in the conclusion of this message, I just want us to be open to the Lord in terms of like, why? Why? Why, Lord, do I need revival in my heart? You know, what are those areas? It's that same kind of question, piggybacking on Pastor Matt this morning of like, what are those areas that you're working on to help me grow in faith and love to serve you and to serve other people? You know, so can we just bow our heads and I'm just going to pray a prayer over us. Heavenly Father, we're so honored to be able to be able to commune with you have a relationship with you, Father, that you would extend your hand of mercy from heaven. Lord, in the midst of when we were sinners, you sent your only begotten Son to the cross to die for our sins. And so now having found faith, trusting in what Jesus did for us, how much more will you pour into our lives so that we can love and do your work here on earth? And it's not just getting it done, but it's doing it with passion. And we thank you, Father, that it's by your grace that you supply all these things. All of your glorious riches comes through Christ. So, Father, as the word came forth this morning, we just pray over that seed, Lord, that you would protect it. That the enemy would not be able to come and steal it away quickly. But it would find the deepest part of our hearts. Why? Lord, that you'd help us to answer that question. That you'd answer it for us of why do we need revival in our hearts? not for losing sight of the things that we are doing well, but just there's always areas where you're helping us to live more in the fullness and measure of your grace and love. So Father, it's to you that we give all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.